Hey everybody. Hi there. Welcome back to Planet and God. We are continuing our reading challenge through the month of December. We are on chapter nine. Chapter nine of the book of Matthew. So if you haven't read it, pause, go read it, come back, and we'll give you our uh, chapter recap. Yeah. So uh, let's ready to dive in. Let's dive in. Okay. So it opens with Jesus healing the paralytic, which yep. I really like this story. Um, specifically when it says that Jesus saw their faith, I thought that was really interesting because in a lot of the other healings, it was always just the faith of right. the... Individual. Right, where this is their faith, so it's the faith of the paralytic, but also the people that you know got him to Jesus. Right. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. And then it goes into the Pharisees and the scribes. Yeah. Oh, scribes, it says, not Pharisees. That um, Jesus knew what their thoughts were. Right. So. Um, yeah, you see that uh, verse 3 where it, it <laughs> says they said to themselves. That just goes to further the point of back in chapter 8 when Jesus healed the leper. That sparked the Pharisaic investigation into him as a possible Messiah. Now, when the Pharisees would do that, they would start two, they would have two different phases to their investigation. The first phase, they would only listen and observe. They weren't allowed to say anything, they weren't allowed to interact, they were just observing. And that's what you see here. They said to themselves, they're observing what's going on. The second phase, which will happen later to Jesus, is they will start asking questions and investigating further into him as a possible Messiah claim. That doesn't happen until later. But here you have that phase one in full force um, and, Jesus, and the, the Pharisees not speaking. I find it also so fascinating that, like, they didn't think anything of it that, like, he knew what they were thinking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, they don't question it. No. I'm like, wouldn't you, like, I don't know, if somebody could, like, knew what I was thinking, I'd be like, how'd you know what I was thinking? Yeah. There's something special about you. <laughs> I don't know. But. Right. And I like Jesus' response. <clears throat> um, you know, what is, it, what is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to actually heal, heal a person? He starts with doing the easier by just saying that your sins are forgiven. That is easy. Anybody can say that. You could go talk to any person and they can say your sins are forgiven, but there's no proof that that actually happened. It's just a man's words. But then Jesus proves it. He backs up the fact that he can do it by actually healing the paralytic, by yeah. letting him walk. And that's fascinating. So if, if you're going to someone to get your sins forgiven, make sure that they can make a paralytic walk first. That's the point of it. Well, I find it really cool, too, because, like, you think a paralytic, I mean, they have no muscle mass or anything yeah. in their legs. And to just get up and walk, like, a lot of people nowadays have to go through, like, physical therapy. Yep. And so it's just, that's just, like, an extra, oh, that's so cool, you know? Right. Um, it's not just the re restoration of walking, but the restoration of muscle mass and muscle memory. Yeah. And all of the things that go into walking, what we don't even think of. Right. So, 
So then the next section uh, talks about Matthew. You have stuff on... Yeah, verses 9 through 13. Uh, it, <clears throat> you have the calling of Matthew here. He does the same... Jesus will do the same thing to Matthew that he did to his other disciples with two simple words, follow me. And he gets up and follows. I love, too, that he's, like, obedient right yeah. away. There's no, like, hesitation. He doesn't question. He yeah. just leaves his table. And for Matthew, that's a big thing. He's a tax collector. He's been ostracized by the Jews his, his entire adult life. And he's giving up, essentially, his career, which would have been well paid. Yeah, his livelihood. Right. You still see furthering the point that the Pharisees are not allowed to ask Jesus any questions in verse 11, they said to his disciples, right? So they're not talking to Jesus directly. They're talking to the disciples. And then Jesus highlights the fact that he came to call the righteous and not, or he came not to call the righteous. He came to call the sinners to repentance. That's the point of verse 13, where he says, go learn when this, what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice for I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners referencing uh, Hosea 6.6, Jesus is emphasizing the fact that he's looking for an internal conformity, not an external one. And then the next section is about um, when the disciples of John come and ask about fasting. Right, that's verses 14 through 17. Um, This section likely is occurring while John is in prison. He was put in prison by Herod Antipas for for condemning him for his relationship with his brother's wife. So Herod puts John in prison. The the disciples come to ask about fasting. And the the point of it is that Jesus is here. There's no need for them to fast because the bridegroom is present. Hi. (laughs) Uh, So that's really the, the point. Jesus is... Uh, Verses 16 through 17, Jesus, in those two verses, highlights the fact that his teachings are incompatible with Jewish teachings, right? The old wine, and you don't put old wine into new wine, and old wineskins. Or new wine into old wineskins, sorry. He is the new wine. His teachings are the new wine, the the new kingdom. You can't put that into, you can't, that doesn't fit into the oral law, the oral traditions. And then that gets us into um, verses 18 through 26, where Jesus um, and Jesus's ministry of healing just continues further in that. I, I also like to that anybody that came to the Lord for healing, they, they came worshiping yeah. or they left worshiping. There was always this act of worship within the healing, you know, um, process question right. or, right? <laughs> or request or, or however you want to word it. But I, I just think that's really cool. Yeah. Um, there's always that act of worship along with it. Right. And that just shows us that, you know, when we ask of the Lord, are we, you know, worshiping right. as well? And then the, what's interesting here, we'll see this in a number of other times throughout the life of Jesus is that he has a distaste for professional mourners. There's this tradition within the Eastern cultures where you hire people to mourn when someone dies. And we see that here, 
verse 24, he tells them to go away, for the girl is not dead, she is sleeping. And they laughed at him. So he's telling the professional mourners to go away. And you'll see this at Lazarus, and even at his own death, where he tells the professional mourners to go away. Which I thought was uh, a funny thing. Interesting funny, that Jesus box at that culture well it's crazy because they get paid to cry right but why (laughs) (laughs) that's something i don't think but again like like you said it's like Uh, a cultural thing it's a cultural thing they still do that today so even with our western eyes it's something that i don't understand i didn't realize they still do it today though so so the next section verses 27 through 31 we have two blind men that had come to be healed. What I really thought was interesting was that uh, they cried out, Son of David. Yeah. And just by calling him Son of David shows that they believed he was the Son of God. Yeah, they believed that he at least was the Messianic King. Yeah. He was there to, to have that title, Son of David, the King. They're identifying and confirming his identity as Messiah. I mean, they said it again, too. Like, after Jesus asks him a question, they respond with, yes, Lord. So, yeah, did you get anything else out of that section? No, just the fact that Jesus was healing based on their faith, right? It is according to their faith that he does this. Their faith in him as the Messiah, uh, the King Messiah. That's what really it leans on right now is that Jesus is still presenting himself as the son of David, the messianic king. The Jews haven't rejected him yet. Right. So that faith claim, son of David, is valid right now. Later, after the Jews reject Jesus, he's going to only do miracles based on the claim that he is the son of Abraham. Yeah. And then that's the last little bit. Yeah, verses 32, I've kind of broke this up into two spots. Verses 32 through 34, we have the casting out of a mute demon. So this being the first time that Jesus does this, and this being also being a messianic miracle. Right. Um, Jesus is going to do this same miracle again in chapter 12. But you see right now in, in chapter 9 here, that the Jews are making the case to reject him. They haven't rejected him yet, but they're starting to make the case. We see that in verse 34, but the Pharisees said he casts out demons by the prince of demons. They haven't rejected him on that basis, but they will in chapter 12. Right, this is like the precursor to the event. Right, the precursor to the actual rejection of Jesus. Right now they're just trying to build the case. They're laying the groundwork for it. Right. And then the last section here, verses 35 through 38, you see Jesus having compassion on the crowds as he is the good shepherd. Yeah, that's kind of what I noted too. Yeah. You know, like... Jesus was moved with compassion. Right. Because I think sometimes it's so easy to get like, we see God as God and King and he's all powerful. Um, but I think sometimes we lose sight that he is our, like the, the more intimate parts of who God is. And this shows like that he's 
passionate. Right. He cares. I mean, we know he cares even as king, but it's it's like a different mindset, I think. It is. It's the it's the mindset of a shepherd. Yeah. How a shepherd cares for the sheep, right? The the house <laughs> of Israel has been afflicted with bad shepherds over the years. Now they have the three bad shepherds. If I pull from my last sermon, um, that that the the Pharisees, the scribes, and the Sadducees being the three bad shepherds that have left left Israel in this state of disarray. Now here's the good shepherd to try and lead them back to God. All they have to do is accept him, and they have it, but they don't because they the people still continues to continue to follow the bad shepherd. And then, except for that wasn't in your last. Well, it was second to last sermon. <laughs> and then the verse thirty-eight. <clears throat> Therefore, pray earnestly to to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Um, this sets up this the stage, this verse sets the stage for what we'll see in chapter 10 when the Lord prepares the laborers and sends them out on their first missionary journey. Yeah, I like that. That's all I had for chapter 9. Same here. So that's chapter 9. Uh, we will pick it up tomorrow with chapter 10. So get your reading on. Get your notes out and meet us back here tomorrow for Matthew chapter 10. All right, sounds good. Bye.